The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately, the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing an additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come and share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small things, I will give you great responsibilities. Come and share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter. Should you not have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the servant Take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Now imagine the vast majority of you have been on airplanes before. Remember the first time I was ever on an airplane, I was 17 years old at the time and got on a plane in Atlanta and flew to go visit a school in Mobile, Alabama. That was the first time on the plane. Second time I was on an airplane, I had to jump out of it. So that was in the military. So we were going up to Paris and people were like, hey, have you ever been, you know, you jumped out of airplanes? No, this is the second time ever on it. And There's only one way out, right? So that was just jumping out of it. But kind of like young and carefree, you know, you get on the planes and you're flying around or whatever, or you're flying in a helicopter in the military and boom, it just drops 500 feet like that, boom, right? Or you hit some turbulence and a C-130 and stuff, you're kind of fist bumping your buddies, this is great, right? But on the inside, you're like, oh, right? What I've found is I've got, as I've gotten older, right, when I take these plane flights, right, it really helps my prayer life. 
And what I'm talking about is when you're up in altitude and you're kind of there and, you know, you're kind of in that moment where you're thinking about your whole life and you're kind of like sweaty palms handing it and, you know, and you're there and you're in this turbulence and if you happen to be in the back of the plane, it's really buffeting, right? That helps my prayer life, right? And it's even tougher when you're a priest and you're on those planes and everybody's looking at you like, you do something about this, right? I've had that moments where I've walked on planes and they're like, oh, good, we're safe. And I'm like, don't just count on me. You gotta pray too, right? You're part of this thing. You're part of this flight. We need the pilots. We need everything, right? So the homily today, and I hope you don't take it, I hope in aspects you take it personally because our Lord wants us to take things personally and walk towards him and follow him, right? But I hope you don't take it personally in a way like kind of like a negative way or whatever. It's not a finger pointing way, but you know, just invite you to kind of Buckle your spiritual seatbelt. It's going to be a little turbulent. But not in, a, not in a bad way. It's good every now and then. It's important to shake it up. Shake it up a little bit. Shake it up. And the thing to shake it up is just to kind of ask the question and say, in your heart, what's important to you? What's important to you? You've been given life, and all of us have choices every day, and I'm so, so thankful for Jesus that all of you are here. Independent of where you are in your walk with our Lord, we may have visitors here, and they come, and they're checking us out, okay? I got an email from a young lady who goes to one of the public schools who's gonna be at the 5 p.m. mass, and she basically said in her email to me, the pastor said, you know what? I grew up in a family where there's been no faith at all, but I'm at this public school and I'm doing kind of survey thing. I'm doing something like that and I'm going and visiting churches and I just wanna see what y'all are about and I wanna find out what you do for the community, right? What you do for the community. So to think about what we do for the community. Matter of fact, what's the greatest thing we can do for the community? What do we do for this faith community? So the first thing is what, what's important to you and what should be important to us as a parish? So number one, what's important? Number two is, where do you want to make an impact? When it's all said and done, when the years or the number of years our Lord gives us like talents, I gave you 50 years, 50 talents. I gave you 100 years. And so sometimes we want to live forever and our Lord's saying, that's why I came. I came that we may have life and have it to the full. I'm with you on that. I want you to live forever, but you're not going to live forever in this life. I got a plan for you for the next life. So Jesus came to die so that we might have life. We come to live and we don't want to die. And it's hard to die to ourselves and to imitate Jesus. So what's important? Where do you want to make an impact? I want to unpack this morning a little bit the the liturgy of the word. Okay, it's going to, don't panic. We have two hours between masses, so we don't have to worry about our parking lot here at St. Gabriel's. 45-minute hour homily, it's good. You may be a visitor like, what? We don't need to look at our watch. So the first thing when we think of the liturgy of the word, what I want want to touch on first for all of us is this. How beautiful it was sung, blessed are those who fear the Lord. Have you ever asked yourself what that meant? Fear the Lord. 
kind of doesn't make sense because in Genesis they hid from the Lord and the Lord sought them out and said, why are you hiding? And they said, we were afraid. Is that what is meant by fear of the Lord? No. Fear of the Lord is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Fear of the Lord is like when we come in as a faith-filled community and the Gloria kicks off, we are in a state of awe. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. You've given me by the gift of my faith the capability to see you. I want to worship you. I want to glorify you. I want to praise you. I am in awe of you. You're awesome, God. We have an awesome God. That's fear of the Lord. Step into this church and say, I'm going to do not just something good, I'm going to do something great this morning. Great, like really great. I'm gonna go before the God who loves me, who created me, who stays in what we say is like a little box in churches all over the world. What looks like bread, tastes like bread, it's, it's, it's the Eucharist, and he literally stays there, and he's there for me, and, he, and, he's, and he's there on all these lonely vigils and churches and stuff, and he's there waiting for, for me to come see him, to be with him. And Jesus, imagine how excited he was that each and every one of you, no matter where you are on your walk, and it may be your first time ever in a Catholic church, but he saw you coming in here, he loves you, he looked at you, and he desires this for you. Come, and you've come. Come and share the master's joy. I invite you, if you don't do this on a weekly basis, I invite you to do it. You may wanna start this Sunday night with the liturgy of the word, which is the first reading, the responsorial psalm, the second reading in the gospel for next Sunday. Or you may want to take what you got this Sunday and read it again this evening and read it, the first reading, the responsorial psalm, the second reading, and the gospel tonight, and then read it every day of the week and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So many things we can take for granted. We can access the living word of God in so many ways. We talk about our progress with technology and we got it right in front of us. But how often do we look at it? For St. Paul in that second reading, he was encouraging the Thessalonians. They were waiting in anticipation. He was bringing the papyrus sheets. He was bringing the parchments. He was bringing it. He was bringing it. The written word. Then we unfold it. Let me see it, Paul. Let me see it. Let me see it. Unfold it. Speak it to us. Tell us about us. We want to learn. We want to learn. We want to memorize it. And we want to carry it out in our world. The good news. They didn't all have it right in front of them. So let's unpack the liturgy of the word like never before, hopefully with the help of the Holy Spirit, not worried about the time, but so that the Holy Spirit and God can speak to our hearts. First reading, Proverbs. It speaks about a wife. Beautiful thing to go back over. But I would invite you to go back over and read that first reading of Proverbs and see you in that. What? Yeah, you. Every single baptized Christian in the world, even our brothers and sisters in Christ of the one baptism, Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or of other Christian denominations, you're baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, you enter into what? The church. You're in communion with the church. 
A, a different story is full communion and all that. Other. We're not going there. We're talking about you're in communion with the church by virtue of your baptism. And so what is the church to Jesus? The bride of Jesus Christ. When was the last time you thought of yourself as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And this Christ desires an intimacy with you and me, not only for time, but forever and eternity. And reread that reading in Proverbs. And what does it say when it talks about a good wife? It goes through the litany of a good wife, always seeking good versus evil, always doing these things. It goes through a litany, holds their hand out to the poor, welcomes the strange, all this stuff goes through this litany. But the thing that's beautiful at the beginning of the Proverbs is it says this. It says, and her husband entrusts his heart to her. I had two weddings yesterday. One yesterday and one Friday night. And after the Our Father that we prayed that our Lord taught us there's the nuptial blessing. And you pray that nuptial blessing over the couples. And you pray for that, that now woman married to the man, wife, that she may model those women, those holy women in scripture. Then you pray as you're praying, you pray that her husband may entrust his heart to her. What is the awesome thing that's happening at this moment? Beyond the eyes that we have in our head, but with the eyes in our heart, our eyes of faith, what is now bread at the moment of consecration will become Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist because he said, do this in memory of me, because he wanted union with us. And he entrusts his heart to his church. To us. Jesus gives us his heart in the Eucharist. Jesus gives us his living words as words of love that meet us in our heart. He pours out his heart through sacred scripture and he gives himself to us in the Eucharist. Okay, that's the first reading. We're just warming up. I already spoke about blessed are those who fear the Lord. Let's go to Thessalonians. What does St. Paul say? Very simple. He's like, hey, let me tell y'all something. Thessalonians, I'm going around, I'm traversing this world. I go to this community and they slip away. I go back to this community and they slip away. I go to this community, I'm talking to them, they're doing good things, they got it. I'm away a little bit and then they start fighting. And I go to this community and they're pointing fingers at I go this and read, read about the life of St. Paul. So there he is with the Thessalonians and he said, hey, listen, let me tell you something. He's coming. This Jesus is coming. He's coming in his glory. In the liturgical calendar of the church, and what can happen to us if we sleepwalk through our faith life, it's just another weekend of mass. It's another year in our life. Here comes Thanksgiving this week or whatever. I mean, Thanksgiving's good. I'm not knocking that. But every Sunday is a Thanksgiving. And as we're rolling through this, what is happening right now? We're about ready to go into Advent. And we are reaching very shortly here the solemnity of Christ the King. And that's reminding the bride of Christ that the bridegroom is coming. He is coming on his glory. He is coming at the end of time. If some of us pass before he comes, 
we will have our particular judgment. We will stand before Jesus Christ as will every single human being will stand before Jesus Christ because he is a door and there's no way to the Father except through him, period. He defined that. No way to the Father, no way to eternal life except through Jesus. Doesn't mean those who don't know Jesus can't get through that door because they weren't shown or shared the faith, but it shows the importance of sharing the faith. So St. Paul's like, they're coming. He's coming. And he says, you are children of the light. Walk as children of the light. Do not slumber. Do not sleep like the rest of them out there. Stay awake. Be light. Be salt. You know, if you read Revelations, chapter two, verse four, whoo, Holy Spirit put that on my heart right before I came in here, I read it. Revelations speaking to the church of Ephesus. How the church of Ephesus, you once were strong, you once suffered for me, but now you've lost your first love. Don't think a church or a parish or a place of worship can't die on the vine if we lose that first love, if we don't stay connected to the vine, we'll wither and die. Whew. So now we're gonna go to the gospel. You feeling the turbulence? <laughs> Let's go to the gospel. It's a parable. And like we said, parables are like mirrors. And mirrors, you reflect when you stand in front of a mirror. So when we break open the living word of God and we read it and we reflect and we see our lives in that, what's happened in the parable? Different from the parables of past weeks, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It says Jesus told this disciple to who? To this parable to his disciples. Other moments he's just talking to the crowds about the wheat and the weeds, you know that story, the wheat and the weeds, and then the disciples get them aside and they go in the house and say, Lord, tell us a little more about that wheat and weeds. We don't understand that, can you explain it to us? And he does, and he explains it to them in more depth. Other parables like this weeks past, he is going at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those leaders who are trying to trip him up and everything, and he's telling parables to try to reach their heart. This parable, he's speaking to his disciples. And what's he speaking about? A man who went on a journey, who goes on a journey. Who's on a journey? Jesus Christ's on a journey. And he's journeying with them. And he's journeying to where? Calvary, to his crucifixion, to his burial, to his resurrection. And eventually he's gonna journey back to the Father. And he's talking to them in their moment of discipleship and he's trying to wake them up. He's done miracles where they're there and they're seeing the waves and they're scared. And what does Jesus say? Oh, you of little faith. He's trying to lift up their faith and strengthen their faith and not turn them away from the cross. Peter, saying to Jesus, you're not going that way. You're not going to the cross. Uh-uh, not you, Lord. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. To know the fullest scripture, what's going on. And so Jesus is the one telling the parable. Jesus is the one who is on the journey. And what does he do? He entrusts to what? His servants, because he's the master his possessions. I've been teaching you long enough. I'm about ready to go on a journey. Y'all aren't ready for it yet, but we've been walking around. We've been walking around Galilee and all this stuff. I'm trying to teach you about faith. I'm trying to, but eventually I'm gonna go and you're gonna have to carry it forward. 
and I'm gonna trust you with this talent. So then he goes in the talents. One of them, one of the servants came up and got five, and immediately he went out, five more. The other one, two. Immediately went out, got two more. The other one, one, went off, afraid, buried it. Buried it. The one I like the most is the one who got two, because the one who got two sitting there and he's not like, hey, he got five. How did he get five and I only got two? And that one, look at the one. One's doing nothing, he went off and buried it. Look at me, I'm two, look, I'm doing great. No, he just said, this is what I got. Let me go do something with it. And the five could be in our lifetime because this parable's meant for us because I'm assuming we're all here because we believe that we are followers of Jesus Christ or disciples of our Lord. The ones who've got five, we've had two five-talent people that we witnessed in our life. One is St. John Paul II. He was a five-talent guy. Look what he did with the five he got. The other one's St. Teresa of Calcutta. She got five talents, and look at what she did with those five talents. The one in the middle is the two, maybe, we don't know where we are with two or one, but let's say, let's just say we got one. Let's say you can trust one. What's the one Jesus has given you and me that St. Teresa of Calcutta and John Paul II had, and they received it at the moment of baptism? That's the talent of our faith. The talent of of our faith. It's been trusted to us as individuals. It's been trusted to you as parents raising your children. It's been trusted to us as a parish. As a parish. Again, in Revelation, Jesus speaking to the what? The church of Ephesus. You lost your first love. He was speaking to a whole church, a whole parish, a whole location. Don't want us to lose that first love. So we've been entrusted with the talent of the faith. And he's encouraged us. In other words, he said, do not leave that lamp under a bushel basket. Set it on a lampstand so others can see. Our faith has a talent. Before that wedding yesterday, I was there with a young man who was getting ready to get married and he's, standing there all excited, all nervous, but super excited, found the love of his life, did a really good marriage prep, building their life on solid ground, on a relationship with Jesus Christ, was excited about it, and we're there waiting right outside the chapel. Sorry, I'm not pointing to you back there. We're good, <laughs> but I'm pointing to the chapel, right? So the chapel, they're at the chapel, and we're standing there, and all of a sudden, three middle schoolers come in, boys, and they come in, and what sometimes happens wearing a collar, and you're standing there like, Whoa, father. Sometimes I'm like, father, there's father. And I'm like, hey, good to see y'all. What are y'all doing here? And one of the boys said, father, we just decided to get on our bikes and ride our bikes up here because we wanted to say hello to Jesus. Whoa! One boy bringing two of his middle school friends up here, riding their bikes to introduce them to Jesus. They went to that chapel, and you know what? That example of faith, that living of faith, that desire to take that talent and turn around two more and to build a friend group based off that and do that? For me, I was like, I turned to the guy who was getting married. I said, did you see that? I mean, I was great and walking on white. I said, yeah, 
I said, dang. So then the boys came out afterwards and the, and, the, and the young man's standing there and one of the boys is wearing like the club baseball team or whatever that he's in, the, the little boy's wearing that. And the guy getting married says, hey, you see that club baseball thing you got? I was part of the founding team that founded that. Part of that team, I played on that team. And then I went off and played college. And there he is saying that and I turned to the, little, the middle school boys and I said, hey, and you see that? Yeah, he played that club baseball and then he went and played college. Uh, college, and he's here building his life on Jesus Christ, living his faith and getting married, and the boys are like, great, that's awesome. So now his example of living the faith with those boys' example of living the faith is starting to stir something into flame. Then the boys pitter-patter off, and he and I are like, man, that's amazing. I don't think I ever did that in middle school. Then the wedding coordinator comes around and she's around. She's like, all right, Father, we gotta get ready. I said, I gotta share with you something. I gotta tell you something. She goes, what? Man, there were three middle school boys that came in here, rode their bikes up here just to pop in and see Jesus. She got teared up and she goes, that's what it's all about. And then later after the wedding, she sends me a text that says, no matter how it gets, Father, don't worry about it. Just remember those three middle school boys. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to take this talent and to share it. What am I doing with the treasure of my faith? Am I just receiving it? Or am I also sharing it? Because the one with one talent just received it and buried it. Didn't, didn't impact him. Am I receiving it and sharing it? And I'm gonna pivot here. Because this comes hard, time's ticking, I'm looking at the clock, I know that. This is hard for me to do, and I really don't like to do it, but I do it out of love. And I say it out of love. This church has to be alive to receive this faith, to receive this moment, and then to go out there and bring it there. And we all can't do it on our own. So here's the pivot we all can do something. We all can do something in measure of our ability to do something. Here's the ask. Am I giving to the offertory? An offering. If you are, thank you. If you are in like some like the person that left the last message, Father, I am, but you know what? I'm examining my heart. I think I can give a little more because you know why? I wanna help those young couples in marriage prep. I wanna help the young adults because I know one of those young adults will go out to Wells Fargo where my grandchild is working and invite them back to church. I wanna help because maybe somebody will invite my neighbors or maybe I should invite my neighbors to come to an alpha or to come to experience or a Bible study so that we can share this faith that we received. Our giving, and this is a season of giving, that's why I'm asking as the pastor, truly matters and truly helps our mission. We have a great mission. We've been entrusted the greatest of all talents, our faith. And we're called to share it. That's the greatest thing we can do in the Queen City. I hope at the end of my lifetime, we'll be building more churches in this city, more 
and more and more. And this church will overflow and we'll have to build five or six more. That's fruit and a sign of a church that's alive, a living, active, and a luminous faith. And that's my brothers and sisters in Christ in a way in which you and I, we can truly share the master's joy now and forever in eternity. Let us long for those words of Jesus. Come, come, share in the master's joy.